This week we get to talk about fishing tackle in Unit 2. In Unit 1 we started out with really simple stuff, you know, the spin cast outfit. Great for beginners, inexpensive, works pretty well. But now we're going to go on to some more interesting outfits. The first one I'd like to talk about is the spinning outfit. Remember, we had spin casting last unit. This is spinning. And if you look at this reel right here, it actually functions very similar to the spin cast, but this has an open spool. In fact, this sometimes is referred to as an open spool spin cast reel. They're moderately priced. I would say a decent reel, you're probably up around $40, $50, $60. I, I bought my wife a really sweet little uh, a Fluger Presidential for about $59 for a uh, anniversary gift. Oh, gosh, she just absolutely loved it. Not really. And the nice thing about spinning reels is you get a little greater distance with spinning reels. You can really reach out and touch someone. So if you're bank fishing a lot, this is going to give you the longest range for the most part of any rod reel combination. They're pretty easy to use. We'll watch a video on that in just a moment. And I don't know, the downside is maybe they're a little bit more difficult. We, we don't have a button that we can push like we had with the spin cast, but they're still pretty easy. You'll see. I would recommend these for just about anyone, except for maybe little kids, but it doesn't take, you know, a, a, a little kid very long to figure this out. I would wait until they really kind of master their knots and they've got good hand-eye coordination before I'd start them on this. But uh, uh, this will work pretty well. Hey, what's up? You're here today with Nick the Informative Fisherman, and today we're going to be discussing spinning reels on how to use them and how to understand them from ultralight reels to your medium-sized bass reels all the way up to your surf casting reels. Okay, first off, let's discuss the basic parts of a spinning reel. Naturally, you have your handle, okay, which you reel it with, and this is your bail, this wire right here going over. Now, what this is for is this is to release the line just before you're going to cast. So what you would do is you would trap the finger right there against the line. You use your finger to pinch the line up against the actual rod. Then you open the bale with your thumb. And if you want to cast, you make that momentum backwards. And as you're going forward, just like a whipping motion, you release the line with your finger. Now once the line hits the water, you can either close the bale with your hand or you could start to reel and the bale should automatically close. Now no matter the size of the spinning reel, all the parts are virtually the same. You have your handle and this is your drag up here, okay? Now and then you'll have them on a spinning reel on the bottom and what a drag is for is for when a fish is pulling hard on your line, you want your reel to be able to feed him some line so it doesn't break it if you're using lighter strength line. And by adjusting it, all the way to the left and you can feel it getting looser when you pull on your line this is going to save you from breaking off with a fish now say you have really strong line on 
on a much bigger reel, say you're using 25 pound test and you're catching 15 pound fish and you don't want to give them any drag, you can tighten it up real tight to where it's really difficult to pull drag off of there. But learn your drag, it's very important. Okay, now here we have a surf casting reel, which is much larger. It's a much larger spinning reel than what I've been showing you before with your ultralight and your medium sized spinning reels. Now, these guys work exactly the same. Your drag's right here on the top, so remember to learn to use your drag. See, that's given there. When I tighten it up, it doesn't want to give. Okay, your bail's right here on top, so I have to give it a little bit of line here. Pinch the line against my finger, open the bail, make my momentum backwards, and as I'm going forward in a whipping motion, I release the line. I can either start to reel to close the bail, or I can manually close it with my hand. Either way is fine. Now when you purchase your spinning reel, you need to understand exactly, you know, the, the size of the spinning reel you're getting. If you're getting a little tiny one, the line capacity is going to be much smaller and you're not going to be able to cast strong line. So for example here, as you can see on the line capacity here, right on the side of the reel, it'll show you, you have two pound test and 165 yards, so you can get a lot of yardage, but it's extremely light line. So you're going to be wanting wanting to catch really small fish if you're going to use that light of line. As you can see further up, 4 pound test at 105 yards, 6 pound test at 60 yards. So your line capacity on your reel is very important to pay attention to. So I'll show you another close up of the much larger reels and you can see how the line capacity is going to change. Okay, now here's a close-up of my spinning reel for surf casting, which is the very large one. Now, as you can see here, it says 20-pound test at 240 yards, so it's really strong line and quite a bit of yardage. That's something you wouldn't be able to pull off with using one of those little tiny reels. Okay, so you have to understand the larger the reel, the bigger the line capacity, and how strong of test you can use. Okay, great. Now that you have a better understanding of your spinning reels, next thing you need to know is which setup you're going to use to target which type of fish, whether it's a small type of panfish, need it be bluegill or crappie, and you want to use an ultralight setup, or you can even use a medium setup. Whatever one fits your preference a little bit better, you can go with a sensitive bite on this if you're having a tough time feeling them, or a little bit less sensitive bite on the bigger setup, or if you're going to target a little bit bigger fish, per se like bass or trout, you would want to use your medium setup type spinning rod here with maybe a line capacity that maxes out around 10 or 12 pound test. Or say you want to tackle a monster, you want to get out there to the beach or you're getting out there on a boat and you want to pull in a big shark, you want to want, you're going to want to use one of your surf setups here. Now the most important key thing is if you're not purchasing a combo which means the reel comes with the rod and you're buying a spinning rod separate from a spinning reel you know, here's your rod, here's your reel, these are separate items. This is not just a fishing rod, okay? A rod is just this piece, your reel is just this piece. The combo is the two pieces together. Now, if you're buying the rod, on a spinning rod, the first eye is much larger and it tapers down to be very small. It, you'll know if you're purchasing the wrong rod because the first eye will be small and towards the tip of the rod, the same eye will be about the same size. So that's a bait casting rod, so you don't want that one. If you're purchasing a spinning rod that feels comfortable to you, the first eye up from the handle is going to be much bigger and it's going to taper down. Okay, great. Now that I think you guys have a better understanding of how to use your spinning reels and rod setups, so remember you just trap that line with your finger, open up the bail, momentum backwards, momentum forward, take your line off the finger, let it hit the water. As it hits the water, you can either close it with your hand or begin reeling to engage the bale and it'll close shut. I'm your host, Nick the Informative Fisherman, and we'll see you next time. Best of fishing.
Now the next reel is a baycasting reel. I can hear some of the groans coming up right now. Yeah, I was really scared of baitcasting reels, to be honest with you. Remember, I'm a fly fisherman. But I've heard stories of baitcasting reels. I've heard stories of fishermen who have gone insane because they were using a baitcasting reel. Why are they so difficult to use? Well, there's a thing called a bird's nest. And when you don't operate this reel correctly, you get your line all bound up and bunched up and tangled up inside it. And it's, it's incredibly frustrating and infuriating. In fact, I'm going to give that the biggest con or the biggest negative of using baitcasting reels. But on the plus side, modern reels have gotten very, very good at controlling that spool and the line and with just a little bit of tinkering and a little bit of practice you can really get to get to feel for these the beautiful thing about baitcasting reels is number one they're very strong they're very hardy they can take on the biggest fish there is and they are very, very accurate. If you watch any of the professional bass fishing uh, videos or, or, or tournament coverage, every single guy up there is probably using a baitcasting reel. Why? Well, not because he's being paid to do that. Well, actually, he probably is. But they can. professional fishermen can drop a lure in a teacup at 60 feet. No problem. Incredible accuracy with bait casting. Did I mention you have to practice with this thing to really get good with it? Yeah. The um, cost is going to be a little bit more. Um, it used to be you'd want to spend at least 100 bucks on a good bait casting reel. Um, I bought one that cost me I think it was $75, and I am just pleased as punch with it. It's, it's worked very, very well. Um, so the prices have really kind of come down on baitcasting reels. And if you go onto YouTube, there's just tons of videos comparing this reel to that reel. And check it out for yourself. Usually you'll find people using baitcasting reels when they're fishing from a boat because they are just so accurate and so efficient. Can you use them if you're fishing from shore? Absolutely. But they do make an excellent uh, boat rod. And if you're going after those great big giant white sharks, you're definitely going to want a baitcaster. Because in essence, these are little winches. If you notice the spool on the reel... I know you can't see it very well in this graphic, but this spool is perpendicular to the rod. And it literally is the, the strongest positioning that we can have in a rod reel outfit. The line comes straight in to the spool and gets wrapped around. There's no twisting of the line, and that's what makes these things so 
neat and, and, and so effective. If you haven't tried a bait casting, I do encourage you to, to check it out. I finally took a, a, the, the, the plunge and bought one, and I've kind of forced myself to use it uh, for the last year or so, and I'm starting to really get very comfortable with it. I'm starting to really uh, like it. Uh, in fact, check out this video, and I'll talk more about the bait casting rod and reel. Hi everyone, I'd like to introduce you to my little friend here. Uh, this is a baitcaster that we've talked about in class. I've recently purchased this. This is the $100 outfit that I told you about. Reel and rod. I think the reel was like $35, the rod was like $75, it's close to $100. Anyway, some basic operation on this. I, I kind of warned you how these can be a difficult, frustrating instrument to use. One of the first things you have to know about this is that you have to balance this winch, this spool right here, with your lure. To do that, we have a spool release lever right back here. When I push on that, it releases the spool. As you can see, the lure drops. Each time you change lures, you have to readjust for that particular lure. The way you do that is on the side you have a spool tension right here. And you can turn that clockwise or counterclockwise to adjust the amount of tension on the spool. Over here you have either controls for, for a magnetic brake. Sometimes these are a little computerized uh, braking system. Whenever you start out, I recommend that you bring this up to almost max. What that does is whenever you release that spool, it allows that the weight of your lure to, to drop. So if I turn this up a little bit more, you can see how that really slowed that down. Whenever you're just getting started with your new bait casting outfit, dial that up a little, little high. Then as you gain a little bit more experience with it, you can start to back that off a little bit. When you start, when you make your first cast, I recommend sidearm. If we start to try to do a double-handed overhand cast like this, bad things will probably happen. Namely, we'll get that bird nest in the spool. But if we start from a sidearm, ah, that was nice. We can better control that cast and the physics involved with the spool and the loading of the rod and so on and so forth are so much more, what's the word, friendly uh, to us. Whenever we turn the crank, that engages the spool and starts to bring it back in. As you gain a little bit more proficiency, you can take and turn down the braking system and you'll actually end up with a little bit more distance with your cast. But remember, the most important brake on this 
real is your thumb because no matter how you have everything set up that thumb is still doing the majority of the work that braking system is just trying to keep you um, between the lines out of the ditches so to speak so I really strongly urge you to to give one of these more inexpensive reels I used to be uh, afraid of bait casters because unless you were spending 100 200 bucks for these they were pretty crappy but I'll tell you some of these newer reels the prices really dropped on them and I'm by no means an expert on bait casting reels but you know for an old fly fisherman like me I find this to be a lot of fun so anyway I hope you're out on the water hope you're catching some fish hope you're enjoying the great outdoors and being safe so till next time thanks a lot okay so that kind of wraps that up like I said I would encourage you to to check these out uh, they make a wonderful graduation gifts um, $100, $150 should land you in, in a very nice, nice outfit uh, for both the rod and a reel. So moving on, let's talk about kind of the, the best uses for the various rods and reels. Um, up here we have spin casting, super easy to use. The quality is pretty low. The strength is pretty low. Um, distance is fairly short, and the accuracy is eh, not bad. They're also the least expensive. With a little bit more money, we're, we get into a spinning outfit where it's slightly more difficult to use, but we are getting better quality, more strength, much, much more distance. And the accuracy, I think, is, is much better than with a spin casting. And if we spend a few dollars more, now we're up into the bait casting where, yeah, you're going to have to practice with this to, to get really comfortable with them. But the quality is usually very high. The strongest type of reel that they, they make. Um, if you become a real expert with the bait casting, outfit you will outcast spinning but most people aren't going to put that time and effort into it in fact there is an organization that promotes distant casting yeah it's, it's, it's really weird. These guys go out and they see who can 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 cast like a one ounce lead weight the forest and I mean these guys are, are, are going out like a hundred two hundred yards it's, it's absolutely bizarre they have these really specialized reels in the unlimited class and or you could work in the the, uh, the standard class but it, it, I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can't uh, find a link uh, to that it, it's, it's, it's really really interesting and kind of weird at the same time I had mentioned earlier how the Midwest was kind of the epicenter of sport fishing uh, starting around the, the turn of the, um, the 1900s. Kentucky 
needs to be added to that list because at one time, Kentucky was the world's producer of multiplier reels. What's a multiplier reel? Well, that's a reel that for every turn of the crank, the spool spins more than once. So with a modern reel, you can get like a, a, a 1 to 17 or a 1 to 24 uh, a ratio between one revolution of the uh, crank of the handle, the crank handle, and compared to the spool. Uh, a watchmaker down in Kentucky was the first person to actually develop this and bring it to market. So another, you know, big shout out for the uh, for the Midwest. This is a, a chart that that kind of starts to equate the the numbers and the nomenclature that we've been using with the type of fish you're fishing for. So if somebody says they have an ultralight rod, that's going to be targeting, you know, bluegill and small trout. Your line weight is going to be between, you know, roughly one and, and six. Your lure weight will be about a 32nd to a quarter ounce uh, weight. Not very much. A medium lightweight rod would be using line between a four and eight pound test, casting a lure of a sixteenth to three eighths for a bait caster, or the same for a, a, a spinning or spin cast outfit. If we jump down here to a medium heavy, which you'll see the designation MH, now we're using a line weight between 6 and 12 and casting a weight between an eighth of an ounce and a half ounce on a bait caster and about a quarter ounce to five-eighths ounce on a spinning or spin cast, so on and so forth. Here's the heavy. You know, that line weight's topping out around 25 pounds. It's throwing up to a two-ounce uh, lure or lead weight. Uh, for bait casters, and if we look at the spinning, now it's only going up to about a, a one ounce. These numbers are very general. I spent a couple hours going through every catalog, every website that I could find, just collecting data and putting it in to some some semblance of order here. So these numbers are not going to be gospel. Look on the rod, look on the reel. That's where you're going to get the most accurate information. Something we haven't talked about concerning rods is the action of the rod. Don't get action confused with rod weight. You can have a extra fast action lightweight rod. The action refers to how far down the rod blank does the rod bend when it's under load. And if we look at the extra fast, we can see that probably about 80% of that rod is remains straight and just the, the top 20% of that rod is actually bending, where with a slow 
action rod. Now that rod's bending down about 50% into the, uh, uh, the, the, the rod blank. I have a, a bamboo fly rod that's, that was made in, in Japan I was telling you about. I can actually feel the rod bending all the way down into the handle. I mean, it is so slow. I mean, I can go, I can make a cup of tea, you know, during my back cast. It is so slow, but it's also fun to, to fish with. The, which rod should you have? Well, it's not something you're going to really pick until you start getting into the upper end rods. Uh, most rods are going to have a, about a fast or, or moderate action uh, rod, and it really varies on your personal fishing style and exactly what you're, 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 you're fishing uh, for and, and with. Um, example, if you're like you know, doing a, uh, well, we haven't got into this. Um, we'll talk more about that whenever we get into the, the various types of lures. This is um, very prevalent when we talk about fly rods, which we will in the next unit, but also for uh, uh, spinning and, and bait casting rods. How do you tell what type of action the rod has? You can actually do that in a store. But most people do it wrong. They'll go in and pick up a rod and they'll whip it up and down in a vertical fashion. And the only thing they're really demonstrating is the effects of gravity upon the rod. But if you turn the rod sideways and just give it a flick with your wrist horizontally, you'll see how that rod is bending. And you can tell with just a, you know, two or three flicks of the wrist how deep that rod is bending and what type of action it has. Sometimes it's labeled, more often it's not. Again, we'll visit the, um, the labeling of rods. Here's a, the medium heavy. You can see the line weight it has on here. You can see the, the, the lower weight. Uh, 